This is Stimulus. Hello, my friends. Rob Orman here. You are listening to the show where we break down strategies, ideas, and tactics to live and work with intent. I spent 20 years as an emergency physician, and now as a certified executive coach, help docs work through burnout, overwhelm, career quagmires, leadership challenges, maladaptive habits, and behaviors. What does that all mean? I, I just went back and listened to that, and it, it sounded to me like bingity, 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 bongo. It was all just super fast. In a nutshell, I work with docs who still love medicine, but find that their experience with medical practice is less than they want it to be, that they are overwhelmed and not able to structure the lives that they want, are feeling burnt by the process, something in the process of medicine, but really want to flourish within it and maybe get some clarity on their career direction. And also docs who habitually do or say things that are not productive for them, for their patients, for anyone, and want to get out of that loop. My real specialty is working with docs who want to stay in the game. I most certainly do have clients who are transitioning out of their medical practices, but the real core of who I work with are physicians who want to thrive in their practice or in their life, but are finding it challenging to do so, or are early in their careers and want to put it on track to be great. If you want to learn more about what we do or sign up for a free coaching discovery session to get clarity on your challenges and goals, you can find it all at our website, roborman.com. We all have people who bug us, get under our skin, rub us the wrong way. Sometimes it's acute and sometimes that irritation is chronic. And let's be honest about it. There's also a confirmation bias. And no matter what that person does, it further proves their idiocy or reinforces their misguided intent. Whereas if someone else, someone you think highly of, had done the exact same thing, you might think, all right, yeah, whatever. No worries. Dave's an all right guy just having an off day. But there's a deeper issue at play here, which when realized might lead to less consternation for you internally and less conflict externally. And that is fundamental attribution error or bias. That may or may not be a term that you've heard, but it's certainly something you've experienced, probably experienced on the daily. I know I do. The core tenet of fundamental attribution error is that we ascribe the behavior of others more often to character or internal factors than situations. We've talked about this on other episodes when considering cognitive reframing. For example, somebody cuts you off in traffic. Jerk, jerk, they are a jerk through and through, probably come from a long line of jerks. There's epigenetic jerkism happening here. That is a quintessential example of attributing to character versus circumstance. Contrary to this is how we might see ourselves. This are less savory aspects of our self-talk, but more often than not, we have a tendency to attribute how we behave to circumstance rather than character. So I cut you off in traffic. Hey, sorry, just, I just had a really involved conversation. I wasn't paying attention. Circumstance. Nobody sees themselves as the villain of their own story. Maybe a few do, but most don't. 
we of course see things from our own perspective. And understanding that we are prone to the fundamental attribution error can lead to better relationships and interactions. Marcus Aurelius, we talked about Marcus Aurelius many times in the show. Marcus Aurelius, emperor of Rome 2,000 years ago, Stoic philosopher, was on this like a bird dog. In his meditations, he wrote, quote, when people injure you, ask yourself what good or harm they thought would come of it. If you understand that, you feel sympathy rather than outrage or anger. Your sense of good and evil may be the same of theirs or near it, in which case you have to excuse them. Or your sense of good or evil may differ from theirs, in which case they're misguided and deserve your compassion. Is that so hard? Now, that last part is kind of funny. It's like, well, wait a second. Why are they the ones that are misguided? But I guess this is, of course, coming from Marcus Aurelius's perspective. So if we're aware that the fundamental attribution error exists, what do we do about it? If we just say that it's a thing, that's great, right? We're aware of it 90% of the way there. But if we just say that, yes, it's a thing, we're only describing the water to a drowning man. So what's the next step here? Well, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of ways to work through this. Awareness of it is most certainly the most important because without that, you can't do anything else. And as far as ways to work through this, there's a lot of them. We've mentioned two already. See that? Snuck them in there. We talked about reframing that the person may be acting how they are because of circumstance. And then the Marcus Aurelius approach, putting yourself in their shoes for a moment and considering where they're coming from. And here's a few more things that you can use or try to address the fundamental attribution error. Let's start off with Stephen Covey, author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where he advises first, seek to understand, then be understood. If you've listened to this show for a while, or even when I've been on other podcasts, you know that this is one of my all-time favorites. So often we are judging calculating when the other person is talking, frankly, reloading the next thing we're going to say rather than listening. Covey has such a beautiful way of phrasing this. Let me quote from the book. We are filled with our own rightness, our own autobiography. We want to be understood. Our conversations become collective monologues, and we never really understand what's going on inside the other human being. The tool he recommends here is empathic listening. That is listening to fully understand. Understand what they're saying. Understand their frame of reference. First, seek to understand, then be understood. And it's not that we have to always agree with someone else. I mean, far from it. But taking pause to consider an alternative perspective can have powerful effects. Massimo Pigliucci and Gregory Lopez have a great exercise on this in their Handbook for New Stoics, and it's structured in a way to identify the fundamental attribution error and also consider whether or not you were, in fact, truly wronged. And some of what comes next is going to be direct quotes from their book, and some is going to be my interstitial additions, and I say this just for fluidity's sake, so I'm not saying quote-unquote every other sentence. Here's the exercise. And you can actually do this in a journal once a day, writing it down, or you can just do it in your head. Think about someone who really frustrated or 
irritated you or even did something or said something you felt hurt by. Now, it doesn't have to be someone in the present. It can be someone from a previous interaction. So first, who was it? What did they do? Why did you feel wronged? And how do you feel about that person right now? So there's the setup. Who, what, where, when, and then the valence of your feeling toward them. Now, then ask yourself, why do you think they acted the way they did? What values might they hold that make sense of their actions? You might or might not know the answer to this. You, of course, can't get into their head, but that's not the point of the exercise. Because after you've asked yourself why you think they acted like they did, then consider, do you or did you ever hold any of those values? If yes, what was the time you acted on them? Perhaps frustrated or wronged someone else? And if no, if you've never held those values, well, then what internal character traits do you value? And after going through this exercise, you take a final moment to express how you feel about this person now that you've gone through it, now that you've considered their point of reference, their point of view, their values, and what may have motivated them to act in the way they did. And I'll tell you, there is a fantastic article on medium.com about this that has a title that, oh, so beautifully describes fundamental attribution error. And that last exercise from the Stoic Handbook made me think of it. And the title is, Could Malice Be Misunderstanding? Oh my gosh, (laughs) so perfect. When you feel wronged, your limbic brain is probably going to say, It's malice, baby. Malice. That other person, they suck 110%. It is fight or flight time. Let's get it on. And with all of the interactions we have in the day, interpersonal conflict is going to come up, right? There are so many situations, so many personalities, so many perspectives, so many different motivations. If you are a clinician working, seeing patients, Oftentimes, your motivation is very different from the administrator. And then they do or say things like, oh my God, what an idiot. But then, and I tell you, I actually had dinner with a hospital administrator and I had been in meetings where the stuff that they did had come up. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot, I mean, did, like, how did they get hired for this job? And then we sat down and had dinner and we talked about these things and I was thinking, oh my gosh. Yeah, from their perspective, they are doing what they think is the best for the hospital and even the best for me. So when conflict happens, there are some basic questions to get thinking about what's going on and what's the path to resolution. The scope of this podcast is not such that we're going to fully get into conflict resolution, but just dipping our toes into it from the perspective of what we've been talking about here is, say you have a conflict and you've you've heard all this stuff so far on fundamental attribution error, and now you've got the conflict. It's in your lap. It's in your hands. So question one, here's a stepwise progression on how to work through it. What is this conflict? First, describe it. What's going on? Now, what would it look like if the conflict were resolved? What would things be like? In your mind, what's the ideal situation here? And it can't be that this other person will just disappear. (laughs) That's not an option. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some uh, restrictions on this, right? So you both have to figure this out. 
And then here's a little medicine that can be hard to swallow. When you think about this conflict, first, how willing are you to resolve it? Because sometimes conflict takes on a life of its own. The original thing that happened is just long in the past, and there's probably some attribution error involved throughout, which leads to an even harder question. What responsibility are you willing to take for this conflict? And this is not a matter of just you know, eating crow or sucking it up to sweep it under the rug to say, okay, I just want this to be done. I'm sorry. Okay. It's my fault. Can we just be done with this? No. Really looking inside and saying, what is my responsibility here? Because as you know, I mean, this doesn't need to be said, but sometimes it needs to be said. Each player has a role. Of course, there can sometimes be disproportionate contribution to the conflict for sure. And sometimes there's you know, maybe mental illness involved or personality disorders. Yes, but we still all have a role to play. And the ideal role is actually no role, but that's a conversation for another day. And maybe an even harder place to get to is where's the common ground? You might think there's no common ground at all. I have nothing to do, to say, or any of it with that person. And this is what Marcus Aurelius was getting at in meditations. When people injure you, ask yourself what good or harm they thought would come of it. If you understand that, you feel sympathy rather than outrage or anger. And then it's like, okay, we're kind of working on the same thing. Where can we meet? What is our common ground? And another approach and related reframe to what we were talking about with Marcus Aurelius is called the most respectful interpretation. And it's exactly what it sounds like. You assume the best of the other person. And let's be clear on this. You, you don't actually know what's driving them. They may be Machiavellian. They may be hell-bent on destruction. But consider the most respectful interpretation that their motivation is coming from a good place, at least what they see as a good place. Now, if you think that whatever situation you're in is too high stakes to apply this, consider John F. Kennedy during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So Nikita Khrushchev, the Russian premier, sent a message of conciliation to Kennedy. And right after that, an aggressive and a hostile message. So like, what's going on here? Kennedy framed this in such a way that the conciliatory message was where Khrushchev was really coming from and that the aggressive message was at the behest of his generals. Maybe that was true, maybe not. But that was a perspective that Kennedy took. And as far as we know, no further mention was made of the aggressive message. And then what happened with the Cuban Missile Crisis was de-escalation. Was the most respectful interpretation responsible or partly responsible for the de-escalation? I have no idea. I don't know that anybody knows, but it probably didn't hurt. And looping back to whatever conflict you find yourself in, when you come from a perspective of the most respectful or a most respectful interpretation, then consider how flexible are you willing to be? If both sides are rigid, it's hard to make any movement. I'm not saying be taken advantage of, but take pause before reloading and rushing in like a bulldozer, laying waste to all before you. So there's our trip through some of the aspects of fundamental attribution error and understanding our own naturally biased inclinations, where, where we may attribute the actions of others to character and our own actions to circumstance. And of course, 
while all this is going on, that other person is likely thinking the same way about you. And as I mentioned before, all of the tools that we went through, the strategies, the techniques, you know, and some might work in different situations. Some might resonate more with you than others. That's why there's a whole bunch of them. They're great. And any one of them can help work through fundamental attribution error. But the real move here is to identify when it's happening. That gets you 90% of the way there. The recalibration, reorientation, reframing can only happen when you realize, as Sherlock Holmes said, when the game is afoot. And that is it for today. To learn more about one-on-one coaching and or sign up for a free coaching discovery session, check us out at roborman.com. That's also where you'll find the complete show notes for this or any other episode, a few free EMR charting templates, a new thing we've got. There you can also sign up for our newsletter and we've got a few other surprises on the site. You might say, well, what are those surprises? Well, they're surprises. Until the next time, my friends, be well and keep on rocking.